Welcome to the Talented Learning Show podcast series, episode 30, with independent learning tech analyst John Lay. Today, I interview Tristan Jordan, EVP and GM, and Tara Pollock, Director of Marketing, both at Community Brands, about their recent customer conference experience. You'll find more of our content at talentedlearning.com. Well, hot off the news press this week is a successful completion of the Community Brands Annual Customer Conference, which is the largest customer event in the association and nonprofit industry. As most of our followers know, I'm fortunate to interview the world's leading experts in extended enterprise learning solutions from both the vendor and the practitioner perspectives. Tara and Tristan bring a wealth of expertise from the vendor side here with some real practical experience of hosting a customer learning event. Less than 48 hours ago, they were up to their eyeball event logistics, but now Tara and Tristan are here on our podcast to tell us all about their show, their audiences, the content, the marketing efforts, the technology used, feedback collected, lessons learned, and much more. Tristan, Tara, thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having us, John. We're really happy to be here. I maybe want to just take a, a minute and introduce Community Brands. Uh, because your organization's kind of gone through changes and mergers and acquisitions here over the last couple of years, probably a lot of people know you by other names. So maybe take it just a, a step back and Tell us about your organization in general. Sure, yeah. Community Brands is um, really a, a parent company, sort of an umbrella organization, if you will, for uh, um, a, a whole number of different complementary software technology products that serve common audiences, uh, associations, nonprofits, K through 12 schools, and faith-based organizations. So um, there are 59 separate companies at this point that together make up the portfolio of community wow. brands. Um, yeah, so, so it's, a, it's a big scope and it's more than we could expect any one customer to really wrap their head around. But the, a lot of the thesis behind bringing these companies together is that uh, these organizations have lots, are served by lots of, uh, these cust the customers we serve, the, the, the nonprofits, the associations, they're served by lots of disparate technology vendors, uh, vendors many of which are underfunded and under-resourced. And the, the vendor community historically doesn't integrate well together. So these customers spend a tremendous amount of resources and energy and money trying to build custom implementations between disparate solutions. Not only is that a headache, but it fails to capitalize on the promise of unified data, unified reporting, um, seamless customer experience when you move between systems like a learning management system and an association management system. And so by bringing all these different complementary technology products together, we try to bring the, you know, the best in each niche into our, into our umbrella. Um, we're, we're working hard to create a, uh, an ecosystem of products that work seamlessly together to provide complementary value to the customers to expand the, the services we can provide and make the way we provide them smarter and more automated and, and more more frictionless for the end users. So. so the conference season is upon us, and I know that community brands host the largest annual conference in the association and nonprofit space. And in fact, your uh, experience conference just happened this week. So tell me, are you exhilarated? Are you exhausted? Both? How do you feel? I, I would really say that, you know, during it, of course, that I'm um, exhausted feeling is, you know, a human reaction and just reality. But, but of course, really, you know, um, I think the, the strongest emotion that a lot of us at community brands have is really, really pride. Um, so it's really an excitement feeling um, after all the planning and the months and if not years at this point that goes into the, um, the making of this event. So mm -hmm. um, we were able to, 
really, really bring together a lot of different um, customers and vendors um, and employees to, you know, engage and learn um, and even have some fun while we're at it. So um, we really feel energized of, you know, the new things that we learned from our customers and what they learned from each other. I think the connections that were made and really the stories is so valuable to be in person um, all together as one. And for us this year, we actually moved out our um, our big conference. So November is actually a great time of year. Everyone's getting ready for the next year, right? Doing planning, budgeting. So it was really exciting to be part of that conversation with them and really becoming aligned before we all head into the very busy season here, you know, um, with November and December. And before we know it, it's January 1. I'd echo that. I mean, one of the things that was fun, John, is, uh, Tara talks about pride, and I'll, I'll start with that. Like, we put uh, dozens, lots of dozens of employees, um, and lots of other partners and industry thought leaders, but in you know big crowded rooms on stage to talk about um, topics that hopefully were very interesting and useful, um, and discuss those with the audience. But it's really anxiety ridden. There's this energy and buzz leading up to the show where everybody's just practicing their presentations and trying to dial in their content. And you can kind of feel it. It's like palpable. And I have to tell you, like watching the employees step up in front of those big rooms and shine and watching our colleagues talk about things that we've all been working on for, you know, months and visions that have been coming together for years is just a hugely uh, rewarding and exciting and energizing experience. So that was, that was really cool. Um, the other big, the other big feeling that I had was, you know, in the, in the vendor community where we, we, where we live, there's sort of a cliche about being a partner, not a vendor to your customers. I think every vendor aspires to that, but, you know, seeing, having the opportunity to see longstanding customers and talk about shared goals and talk about the progress you've made together against goals that you talked about two years ago, um, and getting feedback for the roadmap and, you know, in a world that's so digital where we talk to these customers through computers all the time to be able to just have that, you know, side by side time with them is really, really amazing for chemistry building. Um, so just, I think everybody just came back and the messages the day after the show ended flying around our, our Microsoft teams channels, um, just with, within our company around all the positive stories and feedback and feelings that, that came out of it were, uh, were just, uh, kind of made the whole, all the work going up to it, uh, you know, worth it in and of itself. Wow, fantastic. So it's isn't it amazing that we, we all spend our lives here in technology and converting things to technology, but getting good old face-to-face -face conferences is, uh, you know, such a great way for uh, a lot of organizations and certainly a lot of associations and extended enterprise associations to to get that reach and to, to get feedback from their customers. It's, things change, but they never change really, uh, as it turns yeah, out. Yeah, no doubt. Have you found uh, that in bringing these organizations together, uh, do you do that uh, just from kind of like a name perspective, or do you actually combine the products and, and consolidate the products over time? Uh, uh, what's I guess from oh, a it's really, standpoint, it's, how's, what's the strategy there? Yeah, it's really it's really uh, a product specific. So um, for the most part, we we try to carry on and leverage the the the, the brand value of the legacy products. Um, we try to bring in, like I said, best of breed products in these complementary spaces. Um, there, there are uh, small areas. Um, an example would be not, would be our um, um, fundraising technology for nonprofit events, where we have 
uh, brought in, you know, a, a couple of competitive organizations where the product is very commoditized and where you could easily um, meet the needs of all customers with kind of a best of breed platform. And in those cases, we'll often uh, spend time analyzing any gaps between products and then creating kind of a, a super product with the best of both. But for, in the vast majority of cases, we um, will continue to support the, the individual products and then work to create you know, integrations where uh, a customer would have um, more value by using two of our products together, for example, than using one of our products and a product from a, you know, competitive organization of ours. Um, so, you know, we want to build a competitive advantage for ourselves by creating more value for the customer when they use our products together. Uh, just in general, uh, you know, dollar for dollar, you know, your organization invests so much time and money and effort in putting in, you know, a, a production of this large uh, size. What what benefits do you see? You talked to uh, some about you know, just the enthusiasm and getting your customers, but uh, what benefits do you see for your customers or for your brand uh, or the association uh, at, at the community at large in, in holding an event like this? One of the main benefits that we saw by like really bringing this to life in the last week is the association community at large, uh, for sure. So the mix of attendees at the event really creates like a different unique opportunity for those individuals that they probably honestly wouldn't interact otherwise, you know, to network and learn. So since the event spans across all the different um, brands that we've put together in the last couple of years that Tristan mentioned, we have industry executives, IT professionals, marketing professionals, membership professionals, K through 12, fundraising and event planners. So there's really no other event that is really bringing together all those different roles um, across the association landscape for sure. But really, this is where they can, you know, network and talk through similar challenges that they have at their organization and learn from like one another and really get on the forefront of talking with our team from a, you know, product innovation um, of, you know, running things by them and the product jam sessions that we have. Um, which is really, really unique. Um, so for us to really talk to the customer, right, the voice of the customer, um, the customer of one that we're really, really trying to um, get to here at Community Brands, acknowledging everybody's goals and industries, you know, similar, but they're still different at the same time. Mm -hmm. Well, that networking aspect is, is really important. Uh, how do you focus on that at, at the show? Do you just let it happen naturally? Is there, are you using technology all to, to facilitate that during or, at, or after the show? What's, what's your strategy there? Yeah, so when we, you know, take a, take a step back and look at our, our agenda, we recognize that, you know, there's different types of networking opportunities. There's obviously going to be the more natural um, way that attendees, you know, speak to one another at lunch and just the different sessions and things like that. But, um, you know, we really try to make sure that our session content is, you know, diverse. So there's industry best practice sessions that bring together all the different backgrounds to kind of focus on a common topic or networking breakfast. We do some niche happy hours as well, um, which is really nice to bring in kind of new faces and see kind of the old faces um, as well. And then even just, you know, just some fun activities as well. Um, we go out to Universal for a night of kind of celebration there, um, which is definitely unique. And really when I take a, take a look at it, I think what we are trying to do is 
let people network in their own style, right? Um, some people want that kind of happy hour that's a networking event, um, but people like to just have conversation or have it natural happen in, in the hallway. Um, so, and then there, of course, we have our, you know, our technology that we are really trying to like proactively uh, manage it as well um, to create those opportunities. So, a small one that we actually do through our, our badging, um, of course, is kind of the badge flare that a lot of people um, absolutely love when they go in and they check in and then they can kind of put that front and center of saying, you know, you know, I'm on this product and this product and that helps their organic conversations um, to strike up and know who they're speaking to. Mm -hmm. yep. Great. Yeah, and we have, we have some, you know, there's technology. We, we use a, we have a, uh, an app, an event app called Trip Builder that we use pretty extensively. And um, there's, there's a social feed in there for content specific to the event. People can go and search profiles and make connections that can be turned into, you know, link connection, LinkedIn connections after the event or meet me at the cocktail party type stuff, but really just bringing, like-minded people into a room together to discuss, you know, thought-provoking and relevant topics that happen in the sessions, you know, which we, we, we make an effort to make um, interactive, not just sort of lecture format. And then having enough break time in between sessions so that the conversation can continue at the water cooler or the, the coffee stop. Um, that, that's where I, I observe a lot of the, the most effective networking happening. That's, it's kind of the conversation after this conversation, if you will, where people are really shaking hands, trading business cards and things like that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And do you find that uh, customers in, in these like industries then are shared best practice about how they're doing X, Y, or Z in the application? A lot of that going on? Yeah, tons of that. And in fact, they're so, um, I mean, this is such a great, the, the nonprofit and association space is great. Um, it's, it's, um, it's, it's full of people that are trying to do good or support a cause or further an industry versus just, you know, beat competitors. So when we bring like-minded people together, they, they're not competing with each other, that, you know, because associations just by definition are niche. There's rarely multiple associations competing for the same members. And so they're, they're, they're super keen to share best practices, but they're also, I think, really, um, they find a lot of value and comfort in talking with peers who are facing identical, in many ways, challenges, whether it's around, you know, how to best use the technology or just the pressures that associations face today from competitors like, you know, social networks like LinkedIn or whatever. Um, the, the themes that challenge people um, from one association often challenge them from others. And so um, the dialogue just takes on a life of its own as people talk about the challenges and solutions. And when somebody comes up with a great idea and talks through it, you can see lots of people, you know, taking notes because they're uh, it's it's super relevant, super transferable. What would you say are the most important, valuable uh, insights or ideas uh, that you took away from this show? Anything surprise you? Anything new? Um, what can you share with everybody? One of the um, you know insights that we learned um, this conference, we were actually able to release our latest community brand study that's on member engagement and loyalty. Um, so we just released that this week, and a huge theme that um, our um, teams have been working really hard on through technology is personalized content. Um, so through that latest community brand study, it showed that there's about you know. 93% of association members want personalized content, yet only 13% of the associations um, they're a part of are actually delivering this. 
So really what we think is that's a good opportunity for them to deliver the content that the members expect and really, really want. So um, a part that has to come directly in with education is we saw and asked our members in this in the study of what's their number one interest, um, and they kind of ranked it. And personalization for recommended continuing education courses became out number one in all of the career stages. So we had, you know, early, mid, and late. And so really where I saw, um, yeah, the biggest, I guess, takeaway and insight is the openness and commitment to the digital evolution that's happening in the space, right? Um, and the association's professionals themselves really trying to meet the members where, where they are today um, with their interests um, of being a part of their association. And so what they're looking for is, um, you know, being able to change and looking for those technology providers and the thought leaders to guide them and bring them bring them to life. So there's no more resistance to change, um, you know, personalization and kind of that customer one is, is here to stay. And they're really eager to like bring this to market for the members that they serve. So it's actually a really exciting time um, to have such openness and um, willingness to say, hey, I'm, I'm on board, help me get there, right? I know I need to do this at this point. We had a, um, what we call a client council meeting where we invite some of our customers to meet with us. Um, and we talk specifically about a product. When we talked about some of our learning products, we actually played it. We did an exercise in the afternoon. We said, asking them, you know, what's your big bet? What do you believe will drive the biggest impact to your learning program in the next year? And so there were some very specific takeaways. Um, the big, I'd say the big thematic takeaways we got were uh, a lot of associations are f getting more and more comfortable with moving traditional classroom programs online so that they also include web-based interactions. Um, it sounds really obvious, but some of these classroom-based uh, learning programs are the biggest revenue drivers for the association's learning program. Some have been around for decades, so change does not come naturally there. Mm -hmm. um, they also, another big theme, at, theme that was coming was that learning programs that provide a clear path, so learning path, um, were uh, getting more and more traction um, People like the concept of assessing, using technology to assess what a learner knows, syncing it with peer information from other learners, assigning a clear path, and then maybe most importantly, prompting the learner. So nudging them with uh, texts or emails saying you're on track to hit your learning goals. And maybe their goal is to pass a high stakes exam or, or earn a credential or something and letting them know that you know, you're, 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 you're on track or you're not, you're falling behind. Um, those those little nudges seem to be a really productive way to drive um, people to keep engaging with the study program. Um, so that's an important one. Another one was um, exam prep. There was a lot of talk about exam prep. So particularly for organizations with high stakes exam, but that's quickly becoming the most consumed programs by organizations that do it well. So uh, you know you can think for people that take a high stakes exam, you know the premium on the learner's time and their efficiency. So a lot of organizations are starting to double down on offering study guides and you know maybe they used to be books that would be study guides but today they're more and more personalized education programs with prescriptive learning based on a learner's strengths and weaknesses and really focusing their study efforts on the things where they don't have a lot of competency so they can very efficiently through the use of digital technology prepare for those high stakes exams um, and, and that that is something that 
our customers are saying learners, particularly really busy learners like surgeons, for example, uh, will pay a premium for. So there's a large revenue opportunity there in particular. Um, and then the last one that really jumped off the page for us was just-in-time learning, um, which shouldn't be really a surprise, but uh, really around not, not earning a credential, but really driving competence. Members really want a searchable body of knowledge of digital assets with really low barriers of access. Um, they want to be able to just go in and find exactly what they need to make learning transformational for them. Uh, they want to be more competent, and they don't want to have to dig through hour-long courses to find um, you know the, the the ten minutes that solves the problem that they're facing at that moment. So those were the big those were the big ones the big themes that I think came out of that session, which I think were really really good ones for us. Wow, excellent, excellent. That's great. Yeah. Makes sense. You yeah. talked about that 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 council uh, where you solicited this this great feedback. In addition to that, um, you know, with so many different verticals and you know, so many things happen at the same time, what what was your strategy for? Is it formal or how informal in terms of documenting this? Um, uh, the valuable or the the insights and feedback that you're getting from different learners and different sessions and stuff. Uh, how, how do you go about that and tracking that? It seems like a, a big project just in itself to um, get your arms around everything that you learn in two fast, furious days. Yeah, I mean, it, it's both formal and informal. So it's a great question. So every, every you know, community brands employee on site has, uh, you know, we have use our Expo Logics, the technology that we use, um, has a little uh, scanner on their mobile phone. Well, you can take a picture with your camera, basically. You can point it at someone's badge, and you can take notes about any conversation you had with that person. So it's a great way to inf informally capture all the feedback you have, you know, at lunch or whatever. Um, but at the same time, we have more formal surveys that happen uh, around the sessions. Um, we also... Uh, we actually use a new technology this year called PropFuel. Um, super cool. Uh, it, it it basically uh, allows attendees to participate in micro surveys. So rather than the traditional, we're going to ask 20 questions type of survey, you know, we'll send one question leading up to the event. Things like, what's your primary reason for attending? Uh, or would, um, and then when they, 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 they can do a free form or some sort of something and we'll analyze it with technology after to say like, what are the most common reasons? Um, people all went home on Wednesday night and today or tomorrow or Monday, they'll get one question from us. Would you recommend experience to appear? And if they say yes, or if they say no, we'll give them a free form to explain why. Um, so this idea of micro surveys and sort of frictionless questions and answers um, is a great way to capture feedback. Um, you know, a month from now, we'll hit them with another one question that says, did you learn anything or did you put into practice anything you learned from experience? Um, yes or no. It's kind of like the, the smiley face, frowny face you get after a flight. Was your flight a good one? So it's really easy to, to ask and solicit feedback. And then, you know, if they say yes or no, maybe we'll have, prompt them with a one follow-up question to get a little more details. But, um, but that, micro, that micro survey response rate, um, you know, we, we did that before the event. We got a 51 cents 51% response rate surveying people on what they want to know before the event. So you can imagine with a traditional survey, you'd never get a response rate that high with, with you know, 1,200 attendees. You know, now that you, you've probably had a couple of days to uh, maybe uh, to take some deep breaths here after after you got back, uh, after you got back to your offices, if you could go back and give some advice to yourself a, a year ago when you just started this planning, what would that be? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. 
Um, I, I would say, of course, from a marketing logistics standpoint, to start early, <laughs> early and often, of course. Um, but you know, designing such a like a monumental customer-focused um, conference takes um, you know a couple different elements to be running kind of side by side, right? So. It, for us, it really starts with content. It's why people are showing up. Um, it's why they wait to see until we release the content in the sessions and the tracks, right? Um, so we really, really start early as far as like our general sessions, really planning out our keynotes. We want some engaging speakers up there, um, our breakout sessions, everything really to help them gain those new skills um, or improve the mission of their organization. So really without that right content it's really challenging for the customers to get the most value and quite honestly get approval sometimes to mm -hmm. attend right um and then beyond content i'd say really is what we've been talking about today is a lot of the different professional or social networking opportunities at the event um that's definitely one of the biggest um benefits of being on site um versus um you know on digital um, or things like that is to network with not only community brand staff, but our sponsors. We couldn't do it without them, you know, um, and other attendees. Mm -hmm. And then one that I think might not get as much um, focus, I think, with other events planning is really the location and on-site logistics. Um, you can never over plan something like this, of course. <laughs> um, you know, it's one of those that you kind of really, really um plan for everything you know expect expect the best but you gotta also plan hope for um hope for the best but you might expect the worst you know you gotta think of every single element that might happen um so it's everything from the location to the signage to the meals that you have on staff um and other logistics that might just kind of kind of pop up and you know tap into those or um parts of your organization or employees that um have a passion for that and have a passion for your customers um, that are going to go above and beyond to make sure everything's as seamless as possible. Wow, sage advice. Tristan Jordan, Tara Pollock, uh, Community Brands, fresh back from their experience show. Uh, thanks so much for joining me today on the Talented Learning Show, telling us about not only the show, but uh, pulling back the covers here so we could see some of the best practices that you use to plan for it and execute it and make the most of it. Uh, I learned a lot and uh, first time I ever even heard the word micro survey, so either I'm living under a rock or that's new, but I uh, learned, <laughs> learned something new every day. But uh, thanks so much for joining me. That was, it was a great conversation. Uh, John, we're so grateful you, you took the time to have us. Yeah, thank you, John. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening and for tuning in to another episode of the Talented Learning Show. You can find more of our free resources at talentedlearning.com.